Hello there. there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. And, and this is episode 89 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Absolutely. And this is a very special episode because it is the birthday of my dear friend and dear co-host, Eli. Big shout out, Eli. You've done an amazing job with this show. I'm so happy to be on this journey with you, to be your friend. I want to give you a shout out, give you your props. You've created something really amazing. I'm so happy to have created this with you. And I'm so excited for, for so much more to come. I'm just hyped. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This is coming out way past that, but we were recording oh, this okay. on... No, no, it's, it's totally fine. I just wanted to give some context for people listening. This is coming out on November 25th. Oh, yeah. okay. That's um, not too bad. Yeah. It's, it, so, so yeah, it was... So we recorded this on Saturday, November 19th, which is indeed my birthday. And I'm very excited to schedule this into the day again. One of the highlights of my week doing this show. And really, I'm really glad because these three episodes are fantastic. And I was telling you this before we started recording, but I forgot how much I love these episodes. I really did. I, I forgot how much all three of these really hit for me. Like, honestly, when I tell you, like, if you ask me what my biggest hopes for Bad Batch Season 2 are, it's that there are episodes like these three. What, what, wait, what about these episodes? What about these episodes stands out to you? One of the things I really like that the show is doing is, is, is again, I, I, and, and this is something that I know that that friend of the show, Alden Diaz, talks about a lot, how Star Wars shows often expand beyond the... They the expand beyond of, the subject of the show. Yeah, the, show, the realm of their name. So, yeah. like, it's it's not, like like rebels is not just about like the crew it's about the entire galaxy at the time of the crew the mandalorian is you know the entire galaxy through the eyes of din it's not just about din it's about bo katan it's about cobb vanth it's about ahsoka it's about all these characters through the eyes of din jaren yeah. and and i love star wars capacity to do that and i what I, what i love about the bad batch is like you know it is obviously the story of the bad batch but it's also the story of the early Imperial era. And these three episodes are very much the story of the early Imperial era. This is these, these are all these, all three of these are about how the empire impacts ordinary people and people who either liked the Republic or didn't and how fully similar the, their response to both of them are. I was noticing how eerily similar the opening scene of the opening scene of common ground and the opening scene of devil's deal were. And then I realized, Absolutely. wait, like, this is the Empire's MO. They don't care if you were Republic. They don't care if you were Separatist. None of that matters because it was all a ruse. All that matters is that you are now a subject of the Empire. So yeah, it, you better it, get used to it. <laughs> it does not matter. And, and that's one of the main things we'll, we'll get into with Common Ground is, and that I feel like it's the main theme, which is that the Bad Batch and Senator Singh have radically different pasts, but they all share the same future under the empire absolutely um, yeah it could not matter less what their pasts were because their futures are exactly the same their their futures are to be subjugated by the empire unless they fight back very well uh, said very well and, said and, and and it's 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 that crazy realization and we'll get to it with the and the episode but moving on to summaries let's see could you do maybe you'll do common ground and i'll do the last two sounds good yeah okay so Speaking of common ground, 
in common ground, we open on the separatist capital planet of Raxus, which has now been conquered by the Republic and is being subjugated by the Empire. We see Senator the Senator Avi Singh is being forced by an Imperial officer to basically be a mouthpiece for the be a mouthpiece for the Empire and use his uh, use his good standing and popularity with the uh, the citizens of Raxus to kind of sign off sign off on the imperial subjugation however at the last second he as he's addressing this crowd at the last second he changes his mind and says he stands up and he says you know what this is this is this is crap i'm not doing this he is he is imprisoned he is taken away and the uh, the protesters outside of the palace where he's giving the where he's giving the address are intimidated and dispersed by the clones his droid is able to send a distress signal which reaches Sid, and Sid relays this as a job to the Bad Batch. So the Bad Batch, with some reluctance, end up heading to the Separatist, the Separatist capital world of Raxus to rescue a Separatist senator, obviously. A lot of hijinks, a lot of hijinks and action ensue. They infiltrate the palace. They are able to uh, to rescue to rescue obviously. And although he is very reluctant to leave his homeworld and his people who need him to uh resist they need him to stand up and they need him to resist the uh, occupation of the empire the bad batch convinces him that sometimes the best thing to do is to live to fight another day absolutely and they leave the planet absolutely before we before we got into it there is also another subplot in the episode which is that they leave omega behind at oh Sid's of course yeah, yeah. they leave omega behind and she becomes a she's very she's very sad and put out to have been left off the mission which hunter deems simply too dangerous to take her on however she soon forgets all about that because she because Sid realizes that she is a master master holo chess player, and Sid puts her to work running a racket and making money off of people by beating them in a holo chess. When the Bad Batch returns, Hunter he's a little put out by this. He doesn't like the idea of her kind of being at the center of a center of a, a gambling operation. We could say, but when 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 he realizes that she has used the money to pay off their debt with Sid, and that she just wanted to help and wanted to do something, he's okay with that, and they reach a new accord, and that's the episode. Yeah, yeah, it it there it's it's a it's a very very fascinating episode, and I I'm I'm I love this episode for so many reasons. One of the first things I want to talk about. And this is maybe one of my favorite things that's ever that they that they do in Star Wars television. But they've done this a lot recently. The Bad Batch don't come in in the first scene. The first scene is not the Bad Batch. The first scene has nothing to do with them, or so we think. The first scene is laying the political landscape. You know, it's it it is that scene of Senator Abi Singh talking to his people under the boot of the Empire and making that choice not to bow down to his imperial oppressors. And what I love about it is again it's it's this that sense of disorientation. It's that sense of what's happening here and why do we need to care about this. And immediately by and and, and what I love about it is immediately when we draw the bad batch into it, we now have stakes. We now care about the characters on the world a bit more. It's not just like the bad batch is, is doing this thing. No, but because we've built the characters that they're helping up as sympathetic for yeah. they it reminds me a lot of the introduction to the mandalorian season one episode sanctuary the one on mm, sorkin yeah. where yeah, the yeah. raider the first scene is the raiders like doing one of their raids on sorkin 
so that we have stakes for this village when Mando comes in and does a whole seven seven samurai thing with them. Like yeah. we have those, we we have a reason to care about those people, and I love when Star Wars does that. Yeah, I I was a big fan of the opening scene as well. I thought it, I really liked it from a, from a world building standpoint. I thought it did a really good job of you know just showing showing the changes of the empire, showing how they operate, you know, showing the seeing kind of being forced to 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 make his choice. You know, the imperial officer obviously she's obviously she's touting cooperation, loyalty, you know, just wanting sing to be a mouthpiece but I, yeah i really liked it as well i think it's a great it's a great example of what's been talked about a lot but we don't really get to see it so much this um these scenes of what the transition actually looks like on the ground like you said for different planets for different people and it's really really kind of shocking and i think it's a really well done scene it's shocking and chilling watching the attes this vehicle that we've kind of used and gotten used to in the clone wars as being a symbol of the the brave clones, you know, going against the stakes, taking it to the separatists, liberating planets, liberating planets like Ryloth using ATTEs. And then all of a sudden they're being used to yeah. to intimidate and corral innocent civilians and to to quell to quell uprising. I think it's a great, it's a great little symbolic moment showing that that flip from the Republic to the Empire and showing how the the clones are kind of turning that corner and, and regressing. To having no individuality absolutely and, I, and one of the things that, that that also comes with this is that there's this weird sense of um and i and i like the 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 moral gray lines that it plays on with this is that you know there there are all these we've talked with i remember the first episode we recorded with jared the dark jedi from the nerd academy podcast we had this huge conversation about oh the separatists are doing the malevolence and the like these crazy tanks and they're and there was nobody at any moment that are, that are like are we the bad guys but it's a weird inversion of that which is that you know the separatists like 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 this is a separatist home world and they're being oppressed by the empire and their senator makes a heroic stand and we have this moment of are they the good guys in this scenario cuz for seven seasons again with some exceptions we viewed the separatists as the bad guys but Again, it's it's one of those manipulations by Palpatine. We've talked about this time and time again. There's some really fantastic companion pieces to this episode. One of them I recommend if people haven't seen this, and I don't think Jacob has, so I'm not going to spoil it. Episode 3 of Tales of the Jedi, an episode called Choices, takes place on Raxus Secundus. And foreshadows a lot of stuff that will eventually happen in the Clone Wars. I'll just say that, and serves as a great companion piece for both this episode and Heroes on Both Sides, which, you guessed it, also takes place on Raxus. It does seem like Raxus is the, the place that Star Wars has decided to have a lot of the conversations about the Separatist Alliance. Makes sense, because it's their homeworld. Makes sense, um, yeah. But, and, again, we've talked about this many times over, but most of the Separatists aren't bad people. We've we've seen that, like, like Senator Singh seems as noble or maybe and even more noble than a lot of republic senators yeah like he's um, an upstanding guy he's he yeah. seems really upstanding he really believes what he believes he really wants to make a better galaxy and he sees the way to do that as by yeah. escaping the the corruption and the the, the stagnation yeah. of the republic I mean, um, fundamentally let's just ask this question fundamentally what is the difference between avi singh and chamsindula not much of anything. Not much. 
Yeah. We like, but, fundamentally. But, but but because of the labels we put at on them, we are we think one of them is the good guy and one of them is the bad guy. Yeah. Well, right after watching this episode, it really made me want to go back and watch watch certain Clone Wars episodes because obviously the Clone Wars it takes place it's about the clones. It takes place from their perspective. So it makes sense to focus in on more of the shady and really immoral things that the separatists did and what the clones are hearing about, what the clones are experiencing, how they have to kind of, because they're at war, they're kind of forced to see, see they're forced to view the separatists as, as just evil and, and irredeemable and they're completely at odds with them. But obviously that's not really the case. And it makes me very curious as to what the Clone Wars and some of those key moments would have looked like would have looked like from a separatist perspective and what the separatist line of thinking and and rhetoric would have been. And it, it, I think seeing Senator Singh and seeing kind of Echo, especially Echo, seeing Echo's kind of reconciliation with Singh and reconciliation changing what he thinks it's a massive it's a massive shift and i think it kind of it's not super explicit in this episode so it kind of flies it flies under the radar and i would have liked to see them bring it up explicitly more in this episode i, I, I was hoping also to, to, to see a bit more of of them reckoning with, with with what it means that you know that republic soldiers are now rescuing a sen separatist senator and how time have changed so radically but there's a lot of great subtext in that that i think yeah. we can explore too and i was just thinking about like also like you know going back to the similarities between the separatists and the republic again these people are not so different they're the 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 separatist senators are dissatisfied with life in the galaxy as normal and they are and and they want to act in the goodwill of their people but are controlled at the top by greedy corporate interests and yeah, you can also say the exact same thing with the republic yeah like you think most of the most of those republic senators who in those some of those clone wars episodes you know they're voting to spend they're voting to like okay we're going to deregulate the banks we're going to nationalize the banks so we can pony up trillions more credits and order more order more order more clones and order more equipment they're not thinking about how it's funneling they're not thinking oh it's gonna be sick yeah. we're gonna funnel so much money into the Kaminoans we're going to consolidate so much power for the yeah. the executive branch they're thinking like we need to defend the republic because the way to a better galaxy is through reform in the republic it's not yeah. through tearing it apart yeah and they desperately don't want to tear it apart and they don't realize that somebody like Hallie Bertone who's one of the Kaminoans who by the way was literally named after an oil company that was profiteering off of the Iraq war called Halliburton which Vice President Dick Cheney worked with. Like, Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq War. Dick Cheney yeah. made money off the Iraq War. Yeah. Like, Say it again, like, Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq War. Yeah. There is... Star Wars is not political, except for when it's extremely political. Which is, like, all the time. Which is actually, always. Which is freaking always. It can always be political if you want to think about it that way. Yeah, but, but, but you know, what's the difference between Hallie Bertoni and Watt Tambor? what's the difference not much 
they're both trying to get as much money and and, and profits off the off the off the war as they possibly can, and they both succeed in very different ways. I mean, Watt's story ends a bit more tragic, but hopefully his he, but hopefully his buddy Jewel, his grandson, his reported grandson Jewel is gonna fix that for him. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I, and I'm 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 in case you don't know. So the the latest arc of the Darth Vader comic is Vader and Sabe, who's working for Vader now, and Ochi, who's also working for Vader, wow. going after. Uh, there's apparently an uprising on Skiko Minor by this guy oh. named Jewel Tambor, who claims to be the grandson of Wat Tambor. Wow. And you know Vader slaughtered Tambor on Mustafar, yeah, along with the other Separatist leaders. I just find that really fascinating. I'm so excited to read because Greg Pak's been killing it with this stuff, and I'm so excited to see what. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very yeah, cool. I'm not Pac very caught up with yeah. the comics, but that sounds sounds very cool. But I guess we can say he won't be he won't be a turning down for what anytime soon. He will not soon, be turning down for fortunately. He will not be turning down for what. It, it it no his that that guy was that guy was brutally stabbed on Mustafar. So, but yeah, let's get into this episode. We've already talked a lot about the the opening. I love one of the things i love is alexander Siddig, who's the guy who pl- who voices senator singh i think that i i think that there's that he i think that Siddig gets a really great nuanced performances Siddig as, as senator singh and i think there's a i think he makes the character extremely nuanced which i think is what we needed from this episode because again, it's it's easy to portray the good guys as all good and the bad guys as all bad. It's it's really easy, and Star Wars often does that, but it's not always the truth. And often there are people who think they're good or fighting for evil. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that's that's what we see here is this this res- this kind of this huge reset from the the divisions and the the divisions and the dividing lines of the clone wars and now everything's everyone's getting reshuffled and all of a sudden it doesn't matter if you're a republican if you're a separatist and it's a big i think eli to, to go back to one of your favorite catchphrases it's a big adapt with the present or or die with the past absolutely moment here that the clones are forced to realize like nothing that happened in these past three years matters anymore we need to work with we're working with separatists we're working with droids for some reason they had a huge problem with working with the protocol droid which i didn't quite i didn't quite understand that (laughs) this is like the republic had protocol droids too like i don't really yeah maybe it was something about the model of protocol droid yeah maybe maybe they had something against ra7s i don't know this is the same model of protocol droid where ahsoka smashes one in the face you know yeah the Clone Wars movie, right? Uh, yeah, and if you recall, that th- that was a separate destroyed. So you know, yeah, maybe no, and and absolutely along that theme of like the adapt with the present or die with the past is you know the bad batch are in a tight corner surrounded by the clones, and then Avi Singh throws that vase that he was given as a gift at one of the clones. Oh, yeah. Like that is absolutely like it, it's a, it's an extremely goofy moment, but like it is absolutely that idea that like you know that was a that was a ceremonial thing that he was given as a diplomatic gift as a senator of of from Raxus and that does not matter anymore because you know be, because his status his 
previous lifestyle is all gone. And it's a, it's not about any of that ceremonial stuff. It's about living to fight another day, as Hunter says to him. I also and, like when he was just like, nah, I didn't like that phase anyway. Yeah. What, what did I, he say? I never much cared for that or something. I don't know. He said yeah, it in a I, very I, kind I, of something like that, formal yeah. way. But like, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, that was pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And I, I also just like, I, I actually really like, and I, I wish Echo's role in this episode was a bit emphasized, and I would have loved to see a conversation between Echo and Senator Singh, because Senator Singh was fighting for what he believed in. You know, he was allied with the separatists because he believed in the cause. But Echo yeah. has a much more personal rela- relationship with the sep- like, personal reason for hating the separatists than, like, like, you know, all the clones were programmed to, but Echo, Echo has experienced the separatist brutality firsthand. Yeah, he like was literally in this machine, like e- in this techno union torture chamber. Yeah, the separatists for, like, literally ruined his life for a for a yeah. ver- for for a quite a, an extensive period of time. That's and... why I wish that Echo had gotten a little more airtime in this episode, so we yeah, could see. Me too. Oh, like you said, a lot of what was subtext, I think the episode could have benefited from it being a little bit more out in the open, just because of what we know of what, yeah, what we know of what happened to him, obviously. Like, I think it would have been cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree with that. And, 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 and I, I love that, that, that we get a little bit of that echo sass oh, yeah. <laughs> in this, in this episode, but I, I wish, I, I wish we could have gotten a little bit more of that. I also just really love the action in this episode, the action of them escaping from the palace. Um, I thought was really well executed. Hunter forgetting that Omega's not with them. Is, that's a that's such a great moment too. It, it's such like a great after beat. After what happens. It, it's such a great beat. It's, beat. it's, it's, yeah, I, th- I think that absolutely. I mean, that can lead us into talking about Omega in this episode. You know, we see this dynamic again where, you know, she wants to be part of the team, but I think Hunter in this kind of, he regresses a little bit where he had been learning to let her take more responsibility and let her contribute in all the ways that she and only she can contribute to the Bad Batch. But I think, I, I don't think this is necessarily driven anymore by his worry about Omega's ability to take care of herself. I mean, it is to some extent, but more so, I think, maybe the for him, the guilt of letting her get captured and, and yeah, almost I, I, using I... her to bane. Yeah, I, I think this is this is about what happened in Bounty Lost. I think this is and in Reunion, like she gets captured in Reunion. Yeah, I think this is. I think I, I think Hunter sees her like 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 he isn't strong enough to protect her from Cad Bane, and he's like, okay, I can't do this again. Like I need a little bit more time for before I before I let this kid get out in the open again. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we absolutely. see and, and and we see again like. Omega actually does impact the crew in a positive way in this episode. But again, we see he is getting used to having her on missions. They are getting used to having her as part of the crew. And she is an important part of the crew. And she and and we'll get to this 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 in Rescue on Ryloth, but basically Hera is rescued and Cham and Eleni are rescued because of Omega. That's basically because of her. Yeah. And absolutely, the batch helps. Absolutely, a lot of the, the Hera helps. Absolutely, a lot of them. But like, that's really, it's really Omega's plan, and it's really Omega's execution of the plan that works. And she is as valuable of a member of the team as any of the other four. That's just true. 
Yeah, abs- and, unequivocally, absolutely. And, and but but and again, she does play that role in that B plot of like, oh, I'm gonna play Dedrick and you know, uh, absolutely destroy everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember Hunter like even being a bit annoyed because like, oh, you were supposed to keep a low profile. Again, I think she wants he wants yeah. what, what he wants. Like he's scared of losing her again. Yeah, he's um, scared of losing her. He doesn't want. Yeah, he doesn't want her to to get into some trouble that she she can't yeah get her way out of but i think ultimately like it's her way of contributing when she's not necessarily like a a soldier the way that they are she can still she can still do things she can still contribute obviously everyone you know contributes to their their families and their communities differently so i think this is a perfect this is a perfect example of that i i love it as a moment absolutely it's also um, it's 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 very interesting to see her just become an absolute whiz at a hollow chest i'm wondering yeah wondering where wondering that where that came from <laughs> absolutely wondering what that there, means there's there, there's a lot of skills that omega has that 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 we haven't really followed up on again her her, her being able to shoot the blaster out of crosshair's hand after never p- picking up a blaster this yeah. unexplained like there's something going on here i wonder what it is but but yeah, again, I'm I'm I'm. It, it's it. The the two plots of this episode work very well together, and I was just gonna say like the action I think on Raxus like works really well. It the action on Raxus, especially with Wrecker literally getting on that that getting on that Republic tank and literally pushing it out of like pushing the turret out of the way of of their tank. Like that very yeah. much reminded me of 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 him pulling the the crashed carrier off of Cody in the uh, that original Bad Batch episode on Anaxes in the Clone oh, yeah, Wars. Absolutely. Like th- this is that classic Bad Batch action, and I really love that. I I, I really I really do. Um, yeah. To be honest, I wasn't as much of a fan of of the kind of that whole extended the extended rescue and escape sequence. I thought the concept of the the ATTE chase was cool that was a very very interesting moment especially when we see the clones like firing firing on their own firing on their own men and firing on their own machines tank yeah like machines like just to uh, just to accomplish the goal with no thought of they don't think like no thought of each other as brothers anymore but but simply being programmed to um, to accomplish the goal as efficiently as as possible for the empire and there's that there's that like again there's that that sneaky thing that sneaks by in this episode but the bad batch are fighting people who literally have the same dna with them with their sworn enemy yeah like what how did it get to that how how the hell did they did they get to fighting with their sworn enemy against people with literally the same dna that's what the empire does that's what the and that is that people. is that is absolutely what the empire does, and it is, and it is just crazy to see that just happen. There's that line also from this episode. You know, there's that line that I think it's, I forget who it is. I think it might have been Wrecker, but I think it was probably Hunter. But but I always thought we'd make it to Raxis someday, but not like this. Yeah, that that's a great line. That's that is a yeah. good line. I love that uh, and, line. And, and and it's again like like it, it's it comes down to that question of who really won the Clone Wars and that realization that 
nobody won because nobody was supposed to win. And, the, the Empire or, won. Or, or, or in Ezra's cheesy way of saying it, the Empire won the Clone Wars. Well, um, I don't think that's cheesy at all. I think it's accurate. It is like, completely but like, accurate to say. It, 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 it absolutely is, but it's also like like the Empire won as in like like they they were the they were the strongest force surviving at the end of it, but they yeah. never played a part in the Clone Wars in that way. Like they yeah. basically like the, again, the Republic technically won, but the Empire yeah. the, the Republic became the Empire so shortly after that it looked like the Empire yeah. won. Well, the Republic as a military in in a strictly yeah. military sense, they won, even though the entire thing was very yeah. orchestrated. Yeah, it, it's but it, it was completely staged. The, That's the thing. The Republic as a republic as a political entity yeah absolutely did not win oh absolutely not yeah in no, no. sense did they win of course yeah. um, it goes without but, goes without saying and, and speaking of that episode again that this this would uh, like we should do a we should do a theme between themes with these sometimes but oh, yeah. if we could do choices we could do choices from tales of the jedi heroes on both sides from the clone wars common ground and then the last battle from star wars rebels like that is the that is the ups and downs of the Separatist Alliance. That right there oh, yeah. is, the, is the entire arc of the Separatist Alliance in four. Absolutely. In, in in about like let's see what's that like, it'll be like seventy minutes in just over an hour. We can see the entire rise and fall of the Separatist Alliance, and their entire like you know like their ideas, their core statements, their reasons for fight fighting, how they how how and for what reasons they they fought for in in, ju in, in just over an hour it, it that it, 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 this episode works so well with tales with with that episode of tales with that episode of clone wars with that episode of rebels it's almost like they were all made under the supervision of the same people <laughs> man it seems like i really have to catch up on tales i've been i've been falling way falling way behind but i gotta it, i gotta catch up yeah and like i gotta say like tales like that is one of my least favorite of the shorts of tales but even that mm. like has some really interesting points and yeah absolutely tales is is it is it's fantastic i love it so much by the way you know who the the main jedi on axis is on in that episode of tales who is it it's dooku oh oh that's 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 sick i'm i'm so looking forward to seeing jedi dooku because remember for the longest time because remember who starts the separatist movement on Raxus? That would be Dooku. So we get to see him go there as a Jedi before, like, the separatist crisis happens. Before, like, the separatist idea even happens. As a Jedi to deal with unrest on the planet. It's, it's, it's one of those great symbolic nods, I guess you could say. But I won't, I won't, I won't tell you too much more about it. But yeah, I, 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 I love that. Let's see. Yeah. Um, Do you got um, anything else for this episode, or should we go on to the Devil's Deal and the rescue? No, on I think we covered it. I think. What do you yeah. think? I mean, overall, about this episode, I have some thoughts. I thought it was, you know, solid, yet unremarkable episode. I think you liked it. I think you liked it a bit more than I did. Obviously, it had some great moments for Omega and Hunter in the batch. Serviceable storyline, but I think. Like many Bad Batch episodes, I think it's, you know, it's solid, but it's nothing out of this world. But you really just have to take it, you have to take it with the other episodes surrounding it to really get the most out of it. Um, Absolutely. There's this, there's this, I, I like the idea that, that I, what I love about the most about this episode, and again, it's all about all three of these episodes, is they're painting the picture of what the galaxy looks like after the Empire. 
and how different and yet similar the responses are. I get that specifically with the episode, I wish some of the sub subtext could have actually been the text. But I get that they had a, the specific story to tell. Yeah, I think that uh, for an episode called Common Ground, whose description Disney Plus says the Bad Batch has their identity challenged, I would have liked to see way more of that. Of their identity out, actually challenged. Yeah, of that out in the open and them really working through that and us really getting to see that because I think that would have been absolutely amazing to see. Right now, we just kind of see they aren't all that happy about it, but then they do a bunch of fighting. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, yeah, we're we're boys now with this yeah, separatist we're, we're, senator. We're friends now. We're, we're bros with the separatist senator that we were complaining about having to rescue 15 minutes earlier in the episode. But I will say, for I think this was maybe my least favorite, possibly my least favorite episode of The Bad Batch so far. But Sting. if this is the floor for The Bad Batch, if an episode with this much... Still, for, for all I didn't like about it, for the fact that I didn't really care for the action, I thought it was a bit ponderous. I thought it didn't have enough urgency or stakes for me personally. If that is the floor, an episode with this much meaty character exploration still, and that much poignancy, if that's the floor, then I'm really, really loving this on the rewatch. Yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely. Really, like my, my estimate, my, my like estimation and esteem for the Bad Batch has just gone up so high from the first absolutely time I watched for, it. for me for me my least favorite so far i mean you probably never guessed this but it was cornered but but like even so if that's the floor if cornered is the floor like it, it doesn't have the most thematic like relevance to anything but like just the meatiness of seeing all that great action on pantora and like the great animation like if that's the floor then i'm thrilled <laughs> and, and if we're only really like again there are only two episodes of this show in this season that I can say that, that I'm honestly feeling eh about. And we've co covered one of them and we'll cover another one of them next episode. Out of 16, if two of them I'm feeling eh about and the other 14, I'm like, yeah, these are great. That's a very strong season right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That is, that is a stronger slate than, than like if we're, if we're comparing it the 16 episodes to 16 episodes, the Bad Batch arguably has a stronger slate than like a, a more consistent slate than the Mandalorian does. Yeah, I think not not stronger, more consistent because I think the Mandalorian actually yeah. reaches higher highs, but I think it has lower lows as well. Yeah, I think what makes the 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 Bad Batch so unique and so enjoyable in this rewatch is that if we're talking about the main kind of character development and all the character work that they do with Hunter and Omega and the rest of the batch, they do that work. And they they put in these moments every single episode, episode after episode. And in the other shows, kind of it, it the the big per, the personal things, the big kind of moments of of vulnerability and the the some of the themes and the the through lines. They you know they kind of they fade in and out. They come and go. They they really fade in and out in the Clone Wars. They're a little more consistent in Rebels. They're pretty. They're there, but not as consistently in the live action shows. I think. But they really are here episode after episode after episode in the Bad Batch. And that consistency of just working through something. It doesn't have to be huge, but working through something that's like really profoundly important for the characters and their development. Just doing that every single episode, I think, is really powerful. And 
it really allows the show to to cover a lot of of ground and really 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 reach some reach some amazing moments. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to move on to 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 the to the Ryloth arc, as I'm calling Let's it? Let's do it. Let's um, do it. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna summarize them like kind of together because I feel like that's kind of how they should work, honestly. Yeah, there you really yeah. have to take uh, them in in yeah. Devil's Deal and Rescue on Ryloth, or as I call them, the Ryloth soap opera. We start on Ryloth where the Empire is imposing their will on the Twi'leks, and we're seeing again the. Cr- cracks form in the relationship that was once stable for the common good of beloved freedom fighter Cham Syndulla and a longtime senator Orn Free Ta on Ryloth. Vice Admiral Rampart is 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 partially in charge of the Imperial occupation on Ryloth. And we find out so is Crosshair and his troops as well. They're they've been put on assignment on Ryloth to watch over stuff and we quickly find out that that again, Cham has much more of a sway on the people than uh, of Ryloth than than Senator Ta does, and 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 Ta, and Cham initially embraces the Empire because he wants his the next generation to have peace and to have uh, and to have a life filled with filled with peace as opposed to the conflict of his generation, but. Things aren't all fantastic on Ryloth because his main deputy, Gobi Glee, who we saw in the Clone Wars, we saw him in the Clone Wars. We learned that Gobi Glee is less happy with Imperial occupation, and the Empire has has required the Twi'leks to give up most of their weapons, but he has been trying to smuggle arms onto Ryloth for protection's sake, and that gets him in some hot water with the Empire. We also see Chom and Eleni's young daughter, Hera, voiced by the incomparable Vanessa Marshall, and her droid C-110P, also known as Chopper, spying on some Imperial factory refinery on Ryloth for Gobi, and she eventually gets caught by the Empire, and Cham has to smooth things over with his clone trooper, Hauser, who is who worked with him during the Clone Wars and is is now tr- and has a personal relationship with Cham, but eventually, Gobi manages to lure Hera off of Ryloth onto a nearby moon to pick up arms sent by who else but the Bad Batch sent by Sid, and they give them the arms and Omega and Hera form a bomb. But then they fly down to they fly down back to Ryloth. The Empire tracks them. Crosshair planned to track her on their ship as it was leaving Ryloth. And they capture all of them for illegally boarding arms to Ryloth, including Hera. And eventually, Cham and Eleni come to the rescue, and they try to get their daughter back. And they, they're they successful in rescuing their daughter, but they're eventually all rounded up by the Empire. And then they're framed in the mur- in not sorry, they're framed in the shooting of Senator Ta, who was actually shot by Crosshair, but it's made to look like he was shot by Cham. Um, so that they can implicate them and jail Cham and Eleni. But Hera ends up escaping with Chopper. In Rescue on Ryloth, she manages to send a message to the Bad Batch and Omega, who who they met, saying, hey, you really need to come rescue my parents. This is getting bad. And they eventually make the tough decision to come back and rescue the Sindulas from the Empire, which they do amongst a very complicated mission, and they're saved at the last second by a Hauser, 
who ha- who gains a conscience of his own during the, the during the struggle and and he is he says no i will not move against the people who i was friendly with like I, who i protected once upon a time just because some for some empirical force wants me to and he buys the syndulas enough time to escape and they do but not before regretting that they have that, that they would really have loved to stay on Ryloth and help their people, but that they're now entering the larger fight against the Empire as well. And that is the Ryloth arc in very broad strokes. Yeah. And you want to get into it now? Yeah, let's do it. I um, I, I love, I will, I'll, I'll just say this, and I've already referred to this as this, but I freaking love the... Um, I I freaking love the the Ryloth soap opera as I call it. Like it really is the the like I feel like we were we were we were catching up with the Sandulas. Like you know we'd seen them we 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 were really filling in these gaps. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love the opening scene, and I think it's eerily similar to the one on to the one on Raxus, and for good for good reason. Obviously, from a world building perspective, you know the the same strategy the same strategy as last time you know just going to show you know it doesn't matter if you were fighting for the republic or if you're fighting for the separatists it doesn't matter if you're ryloth the planet that uh, went through crazy unimaginable suffering in fighting fighting alongside the republic and trying to fight for their freedom it doesn't matter you're you're gonna get subjugated all the same yeah absolutely and 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 i also i i also really I I really like the I like the opening scene a lot as well. I like that that Ta, like that that the people are able to see Ta as who he really is, as somebody who doesn't care about Ryloth and who just cares about the power, but yeah. thinks otherwise. Yeah, well, I think Ta he is he is willing to obviously devil like it's called devil's deal. He's willing to cut any deal with the Empire, throw his people under the bus as much as he can in order to preserve what he can of his own power and his own like comfortable wealthy lifestyle and it's nothing more than a continuation of what we've seen in the clone wars and i think it was really cool that we got to see we got to see cham kind of confront front orn free ta once and for all yeah i want to address something a complaint i've heard about this episode and i think is kind of dumb honestly if i can if i can say so i know there are a lot of people who can't stand devil's deal because bad the bad batch only appear for one scene in the episode and the argument this is their show and why aren't they appearing more in their own show and i will just say catch me giving a fuck about that because i don't again this is this show is a spinoff of a spinoff it is that like like the clone wars is a spinoff of the of the movies and this is a spinoff of the clone wars and we are getting involved in this bigger universe and the empire's rise has a big consequence on this big universe and you know this 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 episode matters quite a bit to the bad batch story obviously but it matters even more to the larger tapestry alden diaz you're welcome of of the star wars galaxy as a whole like like again this this is this is a small puzzle piece in the batch's story but a big puzzle piece in the galactic story of what's happening generally with the galaxy right now. And it, it's why I'm I'm not as sympathetic to people who, who talk about that here. It's why I'm not as sympathetic as to people who complain about 
the fifth and sixth episodes of the Book of Boba Fett having only one scene of, of Boba Fett. I understand. I do. I I do want more development of Boba Fett as a character, and I hope we get a season two to get to more develop Boba as a character. But also, you know, those the, those two episodes, Return to the Mandalorian and through the and from the Desert Comes a Stranger, are essential for the grander story, the larger story of what's happening at that point. Star Wars is absolutely a like they they are a bunch of different stories that happen to be in the same universe, but they're also a shared universe. They're also a collective universe. They are they also interact with each other and and play off of each other in interesting ways. And sometimes that's just thematic, but sometimes that is through the timeline. And I think that's one of the extraordinary things about this universe is that we can have things that are things that directly impact each other, and we can see them from multiple people's perspectives. Yeah, and and for. For a Devil's Deal and Rescue on Ryloth, to me, it's also like, you're mad that the Bad Batch didn't show up that much in Devil's Deal, but did you watch Rescue on Ryloth then? Like, I think it pays off brilliantly. I think it's absolutely, absolutely. worth it, even if, you, even if you are an extreme purist and can't stand to have an episode without them as the main focus, unless you just really, maybe you just really didn't like rescue on ryloth i don't know yeah uh, my my, my Although thing i think it's hard not to like that episode but that's, yeah that's i i remember <laughs> i remember a lot of people complained about devil's deal before they before rescue on ryloth was out and and i and i understand that there there's a lot of there, there, were, there were a lot of complaints generally about like how cameo focused this show was and how focused on like other characters in the bad batch it is and to a certain extent i understand where they're coming from because there are a lot of familiar characters in the show but it is a spinoff of a spinoff a, what do you expect? And B, again, we're not just telling the story of the Bad Batch in this. We're th- this this story. Th- it's a, it's again about that idea of this story being bigger than its name, and yeah. all Star Wars stories, in a sense, are bigger than their name. And that's that's my that's my kind of defense of that in that area. And I just wanted to get that out of there because I'm sure it would have come up one way or another. Yeah. Fair um, enough. I think also this is a prime this is a prime example of why, you know, television, TV shows, you really can't or you I mean you can and we do, but you can't always dissect and analyze and evaluate a show piece by piece. Because it's it's a continuous story. And I think this is a prime example of yeah, if you look at if you look at this episode like in a vacuum like sure it's it's not the greatest but it and even devil's deal and even even common ground before it are really improved i think if you watch them in conjunction with a rescue on ryloth absolutely i think that that we can view and we must view star wars as two different things at the same time they're all standalone but they're also all parts of a whole and some of them work better for one than they do the other, and and it's it's not all symmetrical like that. You know what I mean? Like there's not some that work better. It, like like, like the, there's there's some that only work as parts of a whole, and some that only work as standalones. You know, it's 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 a complete balance, and we see all sorts of places on the spectrum. And I I'm hoping that as this stuff becomes more common, because again, with the Mando verse, as I guess you could call it, with these collection of stories around the Mandalorian be that being Mando, Book of Boba Fett and soon it's going to be Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew 
John Favreau has been very, very, very open. And he, he said this with the Mandalorian season two before the book of Boba Fett was even announced that he wants, and, but, but like Ahsoka was announced at that point. And I don't, and I think skeleton crew was also announced at that point, if I'm not mistaken, that he wanted the, like, he was very inspired by the intertwining storylines of game of Thrones. And he wanted to do a little bit of that with star Wars to connect all of these different storylines from different shows and have them impact each other in these different ways and i think it's a really it's a really ambitious idea and i think that he and dave are two of the best people to carry out that vision and that's why i think i get so frustrated when people are like why are they not focusing like why why are they doing all these like crazy storyline complicated storylines that connect with each other i'm like they literally told you they were going to do that like they like it or not they 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 told you they were going to do it yeah i think whether or not Though whether or not they tell you that they're going to do it, that may not change. That doesn't necessarily change. That doesn't necessarily change the impact. And I think if you disagree, if you disagree with that choice, yeah. If you don't like that choice, then I don't think it matters. And if you don't yeah, like the I... effect that it has, I don't, I don't necessarily think it matters too much whether they say, "Oh, this is our intent." Yeah, like, I get. The impact I get... is all the same. I to guess be fair. my my point what my point wasn't like oh you have to like this and and I and you don't you don't like like what you like just what like we just like but like it, it's one of those things where people accuse them of doing things lit- they literally said in advance they were going to do which like again like it dislike it that just doesn't make sense but I'm I'm really excited I like the intertwining I like the 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 connected universe I really love that aspect of Star Wars. But let's enough about that. Let's actually talk about 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 Ryloth and my God. There's just there's 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 so there's so much great stuff. I want to talk about. I think maybe the star of this arc, really, Eleni Sindula. Mm. For a long time, yeah. we knew that that Cham had a daughter, Hera. She would show up as a major player in Star Wars Rebels, and we knew that her mother died in the Resistance movements on Ryloth. And we have finally now seen the absolute queen that is Eleni Sindula. Like, I, I, I love her. She's fantastic. She's exactly what she needs to be. She's exactly the badass. I, 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 I want her to be. Yeah, um, she has some amazing. She has some amazing one-liners. Yeah, um, she, she's great. Like, like Star Wars she... has a. Star Wars has a has a has a, like a recent history of really badass moms, and I really love that 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 trope, and I I hope that carries on. And 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 Farrell the Young I looked up is the woman who voice acts her, and she does a fantastic job. Yeah, she does a fantastic job. I think. Yeah, Eleni in this in these in these couple of episodes, I think she's absolutely she's super compelling she's really fun incredibly easy to root for just a great character and i hope we can i hope we can see more of her at some point i would like that absolutely and and i and i i love that my my favorite thing that happens at the beginning of this episode is that after Hera is captured and taken back to 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 the Cindula house she she goes Hera, what were you doing at the refinery and she was like, I never said I have the, the was at the refinery. And she, she was like, I have eyes everywhere. Don't worry. I know where exactly where you were. And then as she was exploring her way, she was like, okay, okay, what do they have over there? Yeah. 
I guess that's she was my like, favorite part. Yeah, What's like, the dirt? Don't yeah, don't do that. Don't do that again. But also tell me everything. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. I love I love that so much. And I also love Robin Atkinson's portrayal of Champ specifically in these two episodes because this is I, I like this is like if we had to say one of these things is not like the other for Clone Wars Cham, Bad Batch Cham, and Rebels Cham, I would say that the outlier is Bad Batch Cham. Oh, absolutely. I think I think that there's a whole conversation. There's a whole conversation. there's a conversation to be had about Cham and the, the changes that he's experiencing, you know, in that first scene and, and just throughout the episode, both these episodes, you can see the pain and conflict in him so much you know the empire they're taking advantage of the war they're taking advantage of the exhaustion in the galaxy and on these planets in order to take them over and cham is willing to look past he's willing to look the other way over some of the bad things that he doesn't like about the empire because he's convinced that he can't make people fight anymore or that it, he can't conscience doing it and that he wants to give he wants to give Hera a better life in which she doesn't have to fight. And he said he says as much. He says, like, I don't want you to have to fight the way that I did. But here's what I was gonna say about Cham, actually. This is what I was gonna say about Cham. There are a lot of interesting parallels that I've drawn myself between Cham and Saul. Cham and Saul. But this is one interesting way they differ because again, we see them. We see them both in Clone Wars Bad Batch Rebels. But let's think about it this way, okay? Cam, actually, Saw is the revolutionary freedom fighter in Rebel in, in Clone Wars, in Bad Batch, and in Rebels. Yeah. He stays the course the entire time. Whereas yes. Cham does not. Cham Again, I, I I think Cham is 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 a better leader than Saw is generally because he he wants to get to the place where his children and his children's generation will have that better life. Whereas Saw, I feel like, just is a little too laser focused on bringing down tyranny and not what happens after that. Mm, yeah. Um. Agreed. And what I find interesting about that is that. Cham sees this veiled peace, and he wants to accept it. He really does. He wants to accept it. Saw doesn't accept the Empire. Cham can't. And there's a big difference between the two of those. There's, so. it's, it's not really a question about Saw. Like, like, Saw sees what the Republic is becoming very quickly, and, you know, aftermath takes place, like, hours and days after Sith. And we already see that Saw's building up, you know, forces on Onderon. But, but presumably, this arc is weeks and weeks after Revenge of the Sith. And Cham is trying to accept the peace. And only at the very end of this arc that he realized that he really can't accept it. Mm. And I, I think that's a really interesting idea about 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 Cham. Because, again, I, I it, it's... I, just like the the last episode has a lot of great pairings, I think this arc has a lot of great pairings, specifically with the Rebels episode Homecoming. This totally because I feel like Hera does a rule reversal with her father from rescue from Devil's Deal to 
Homecoming. Because it feels like Hera is the one more concerned with, with like the big picture, like not the big picture, but like Hera's more concerned with the Empire and it's impacting Ryloth and we got to get them out of here. Whereas Cham is more focused on the big picture and Ryloth and, you know, he doesn't want the people to suffer anymore and blah, blah, blah. Where yeah. in Homecoming, it's the exact opposite, where Cham is like, we got to get the Empire off of Ryloth and we got to do anything we can to get the Empire off of Ryloth. And, and Hera's like, no, look. The Empire's bad, but it's affecting everybody everywhere. Um, you know, we see, see Hera in that episode uh, slip back into the French accent she uses for a lot of this episode. I want to, I, I want to help everyone. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's it it's great moment. It, it's an interesting role reversal from these two episodes, and and it brings me to that line: "My hope is that you will never have. To, my hope is that you won't ever have to live a life like mine." Yeah, that's that's the line I was talking about. That's yeah. what I was talking about. And and I love that line because it is partially true. Like, like it partially comes true and it partially is not true. Because in the literal sense, Hera does have to lead a life like Jam, fighting for freedom. But yeah. she does avoid a lot of the mistakes that her father does in leadership. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. it, it is it is an absolute it is it in in, in many ways it, it comes true, and in many ways it doesn't. Yeah, and I think that it gets to the heart of why this Chan that we see is so different from the Chan that we see in Rebels and the Chan that we see in the Clone Wars is that he, being responsible for the Ryloth Freedom Fighters and kind of carrying the weight of Ryloth on his shoulders for so long, he's just desperate. He's desperate for peace, and he's willing to seriously compromises morals to do that and then we see him kind of walk that back and realize you know with the help of Golby and Alini and everyone realizing that it's not the right realizing that it's not the right path but I think his war weariness is just you know clouding clouding his judgment even when Gobi even when Gobi says to him like you know these clones they were supposed to leave now they're becoming occupiers even though Cham himself I can't remember which episode it is but Cham himself in one of the Clone Wars episodes on Ryloth, he's extremely, extremely reluctant and reticent to work with the clones because he doesn't want Ryloth to be occupied. And yet here he is, a couple of short years later, saying the exact opposite. I think that just shows what a toll it's taken on him. Yeah. And I and I think that, you know, you talked about the devil's deal with with Tom making it with the Empire. And I absolutely think that's the that's the deal with that that's the that that is what the title is referencing. But it could also be referring to Cham, and he doesn't make both? the debit. You know, I, no, like that's what I'm saying. I think it refers to both. I think it does refer to. Oh, both. Yeah, yeah. I think that that Cham. I don't think Cham makes the deal with the devil, but he comes very, very close to. And 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 again, it, it is it, it's 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 that quintessential that great line that 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 great back and forth between Cham and Eleni in the middle of this episode. Don't lose sight in what we are trying to achieve. I am questioning the cost to achieve it. What do you want and what are you willing to do to get it? That is quintessential Star Wars. That is like Star Wars at its at, at its true essence is is that underlying question and we come back to it again and again and again and here it is yet again. What 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 is too big of a price to pay for peace? Yeah. What is too big of a price to pay for freedom? Yeah, and I think that that's something that in these episodes, both 
you know, we talk about it. anyway, we have to get to this at some point, but you know, both, both Chom wants, Chom wants Hera to kind of stay out of the fray, stay out of the action, have a different life, very similar to what Hunter wants for Omega a lot of the time. And, you know, similarly, they have to, they both are kind of questioning and reckoning. And to some extent, it's already been resolved for Hunter or it's continuing to be resolved, but they have to question and reckon with how much kind of inaction, how much of our morals do we want to compromise? How much do we want to let slide that we knew that we know really, really we shouldn't, or we wouldn't want to, how much are we going to let slide in order to, you know, preserve the life that we want for those who depend on us? Yeah, absolutely. I think that brings us to another question, which is obviously what what they both want as fathers or I guess caretakers, father figures in Hunter's case. They they have these these people, the kids who depend on them, but then they also have more people than that who depend on them. And we see that in Rescue on Ryloth, with Omega kind of being the moral compass and convincing convincing Hunter to go back and, and rescue the Sindulas. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I and I think that again, this is very much explored in rescue, and we'll get to that and we'll get to that. But what I love about specifically about rescue and about this episode is again, it is the the biggest thing that Cham needs to be reminded is he wants the peace and freedom for who? He wants it for his children. He wants it for Hera. And who leads the fight against the Empire in Rescue and Ryloth? It's the Hera. kids. It's yeah. the kids. It's Omega and Hera. It's the ones who, like, again, the 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 children are our future is a, another incredibly important theme for Star Wars. It just is. Who are we doing this for? It's for the people who will come after us. Yeah. And it, it is, it is, yeah. And, and, and Star Wars has laid that out very clearly. It's always about the next generation. It's all always about the people who come after us. Yeah. Relating back to real world for a second, that's why I'm so glad that 2022 had a record voting turnout for people under the age of 30. Because again, it's it's our earth that we're inheriting. It's our society that we're inheriting. We are the future, and we're trying to create the world that we want to live in. Star Wars is political. Star Wars is freaking political. Like, like again, Halle Bertoni, Halliburton. Like, let's <laughs> like let's be real. Newt Gunray, Newt, Newt Gunray. Gingrich, yeah, I was gonna say Ronald Reagan. I'm trying to like, like, like freaking even Hux's speech, like Hux's speech in The Force Awakens, is a neo-Nazi speech. That's what it is. Like, I mean, like, I think that's even a little too heavy-handed. Like they're just saying, look, it's a yeah, space Nazi. And yeah, that we literally. Know, we've known for forty years. We've yeah, known. It's it's, it's, it's not a, new. You don't have it's to. A, it's a like, it's a but, space you know. Nazi, and then and then Hux, absolutely like like that's that's one of my favorite things about the sequel trilogy is Hux absolutely gets slapped around the next two movies, it because Nazis are bad. That's what Star Wars is trying to say. Nazis are bad. Like like this guy is 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 scary, but don't but remember that he is. That, that that he needs to be like that he needs to be removed of all of his power because Nazis are bad. Yeah. Don't be fooled by the cool outfits. He's yeah. not a good dude. Yeah. And and again, with Andor, that's what we're seeing. Again, yeah. We there's we'll we'll see this and, and again I won't spoil it too much for you, but we'll, we'll we see this with Dead Ramiro, where we are rooting for her because of the sexism that she faces within the Empire. 
But then we see her like torturing Bix, um, like not like 20 minutes later. And again, we can root for her and she can still be a fascist. Like bo- both of those can still like happen at the same time. The story can make us root for her and she can still be an awful person. Yeah, well, how much are you really how much are you really rooting for her in that case? I, don't yeah, know. I guess I'll, I can I can you, weigh in on that. You will finally you will, catch you will see, but 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 very much like she is trying to like like she is on the right track. She's one of the smarter people in the empire and she's on the right track with stuff and like a lot of adults who don't know better are trying to order her around. And 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 she kind of becomes an underdog. And again, I'm not saying that I agree with anything she's doing. I don't. But the show gets you to root for her. That's just true. And yeah, but we see all this stuff. We see a lot through the Empire's eyes. And they're often portrayed as the protagonist sometimes. That does not make them good. Yeah, well, you don't have to be good to be yeah. the protagonist of your own story. Absolutely. No yeah, um, absolutely not. Least but, of all in Star Wars. Least of all. Actually, maybe Star not. Wars. Maybe not least of all. But, but yeah. you know, it's entering a new era. We have been for Star Wars of a lot of moral ambiguity and shades of gray throughout. You know, with people like the Mandalorian, where you're like, "Yeah, I love this guy. Go, go with your space, space baby Yoda son." And he like brutally murders four people, like completely accessible, and you're just like, "Oof, oh boy, that was a lot." <laughs> you know? yeah absolutely but to bring it back to bring it back for a minute before we hop over something we can segue through re- relatively smoothly to rescue on ryloth because like we both said they work better in tandem yeah i did like the one bad batch scene that was in this episode you know because in previous episodes i can't remember which one exactly but they had that whole conversation about whether or not you know they wanted to become arms dealers and we we talked a lot about what their path forward would be in that conflict. And even though it seemed to have been resolved towards, you know, we need to kind of start uh, sticking our necks out a little bit more to, to use, an, to use an, ed, an Ezra Bridgerism, they do turn into arms. They do turn into arms dealers. They do, but again, look, look at the causes yeah. they're, they're doing it for. Like, again, they're, they're freeing a separate senator. They're, they're helping the Ryloth resistance movement before they yeah. were delivering Rancors to Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, and, that's an upgrade. Like, that so, is an... Definite upgrade. I think it's a coincidence that they're getting these, like, like I think it's a plot-wise coincidence that they're getting these no, more noble orders now, but I think thematically it is absolutely not a coincidence. Because my, my question then, what, what they kind of, what the episode kind of leaves to the imagination and to ponder is, you know, it's going towards a good cause, but knowing Sid, did Sid know that? Did the Bad Batch know that? Did she relay that? Like, knowing Sid, where she seems to kind of, to me at least, Sid gets a little bit, she gets a little bit more slimy and brazenly exploitative each and every episode that goes by. So it's hard for me to imagine that, you know, she would be carefully, obviously she's not carefully vetting or background checking, you know, these missions. So it's a little, it's a little, little, it's a little interesting how they're moving, they're moving forwards and also moving backwards at the same time. Absolutely, yeah. It, Maybe it, not it's, backwards, it's, but I don't. I don't think backwards, but I. I think that 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 I. I think that they are. I think they are improving in a lot of ways, but they're also not like like I. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a straight line for them. Absolutely not. Yeah, that would be. Well, that would be boring if it was a straight yeah. line. Quite frankly. Yeah. I also yeah. love one more thing. 
I love the one scene of Omega touring Hera around the ship. I think it's it's such a good classic. It's such a good little moment. But it just shows how much she's grown, you know, the confidence, the experience, the sophistication that she exudes during that scene, just compared to the beginning of the show, you know, it sneaks up on you. But then all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is a different person than the, the one that, uh, the one that first showed up on Camino said, hi, I'm Omega. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of of things I want to talk about with that, that scene with the Bad Batch and Hera is fantastic. And one of the, and, and there's that classic line. And I love this line. I think it's my favorite line from any of these three episodes, honestly, in, in this part of Devil's Deal flying it's about a feeling (laughs) classic love it classic no notes and what i what i love specifically about it is that it is you know i feel like it is the show's luminous beings are we not this crude matter yeah absolutely and and you know we've we've talked a lot and 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 this is mentioned in rebels too and i love this idea the force is in everybody whether you're sensitive to it or not Forces in everybody. If you like, if you open yourself up to it, if you find balance in yourself, then you can interact with the force. You might not be able to lift things with it or influence people's minds with it, but everybody is connected with the force if they so choose to be in their own separate, different ways. And I like to think this is this is Hera's way. You know, like she's talking about specs don't mean anything. It's just you up there. You know, it's specs are only half of it. Like I feel like this is how Hera connects with the the what's what's above her in the galaxy the 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 harmonic balance of the galaxy and I love that idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone Again, has their own. Hera way. is not force sensitive, but she yeah. connects into the energy field that is the force through flying. I think everyone has their own way of connecting in. You know, if they're not, even if they're not force sensitive, you know, maybe for Han Solo, that's that's flying you know maybe for maybe for the aqualish aqualish truck driver in one of the previous episodes that's that's um, his sick beats that's listening to his sick beats on his sick headphones yeah. while he drives his sick truck i don't know i'm just yeah, throwing they have out. a habit for doing it with pilots but i think they can it can do other things like again i think that like, like I, I i think it's absolutely po- and like like in tattooing rhapsody i think that what's his name jay connects yeah, through the force music. through music yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that, that's absolutely how that works, and I think that that there and I and I really love the idea that the force is this egalitarian thing, whether or not you're sensitive to it or not, that you can contribute to it in your own way. Absolutely, I agree. And and I love that. I will also just say that when they're going to rescue Hera, Eleni saying Eleni says, "Let's go, Chopper," uh, <laughs> and hearing a Twilight woman say, "Let's go, Chopper," that's not Hera, is extremely trippy. <laughs> like it yeah. messed me up like i'm not kidding it, it i'm like am i in rebels right now no 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 i'm in bad yeah. batch right now what the fuck is going on robert so the 20 years the 19 18 years actually no it'd be like 15 years since yeah we 14 see years again. yeah Four, well 14 years did not change chopper a bit they no. did not change him a bit like and, and i remember specifically when we saw cham and, and eleni i'm like Oh, we're not going to see Hera, are we? They're probably and and then and then we pan down to Hera and Chopper. I'm like, oh my god, we're getting Hera and Chopper for two episodes in the Bad Batch, and what a treat that is! I love this is another thing. You know, we saw Caleb, Kane, and Kill Doom earlier in the season. 
in Aftermath. And, you know, we have seen the origins of Kanan, and we've seen the origins of the woman who we who will later fall in love with and start this rebel crew with. Just as we were see just as we were seeing the seeds of the Empire be planted, we are also wow, seeing wait, the I didn't seeds, even think about that. Wow. We're also seeing the seeds of the people who will destroy it. Yeah. I think oh, I yeah. like I really like I'm I'm really noticing it and it's really making the Rebels fan in me extremely happy. I'm really noticing in this rewatch. Well, and obviously it's not necessarily the the per, the purpose of the show or it's you know any of its primary main objectives, but I really like the way there's going out of their way a little bit at times just to add those little connections in between Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, make those They're bridging the gap in a very bridge major bridge way. the gap a little bit. And I really like that. I really do like that. And I think they'll they'll do more of that in season two. Again, we know we're getting Commander Cody in season two. And we're and that's going to be super interesting how, how that plays out, and especially how his conversations play out with Crosshair, because we know that's the one thing we know about Cody is that he's going to be talking with Crosshair, and that's going to be a, such a weird conversation to have because again, we know that Cody was very loyal to Obi Wan, but he didn't hesitate to shoot him down R six six. So it's yeah. It, it, it's it's freaking I, I i love that side of it i'll i'll just say that Let's see one more thing before we finish this episode and get a little bit more to the race going rally but we've been talking about them a bit interchangeably i want to talk about hauser mm, hauser all right what do you got what do you got i love hauser's conflict in the in these two episodes i love that stuff again we see so many clones in this in this show rebelling against the programming again it's the individuality it's the individuality versus homogeny argument all over again do you go with the program or do you strike your own path do you know what you do you do you do you go with what everybody else is doing or do you have a different idea of what is right and and or do you do you yeah do you, do you go with what everybody else is doing or do you have a different idea of what's right to do and That's absolutely an and, and this is absolutely another way of playing into that as hauser has to deal with again it, very much Cham and Rampart are the angel and devil on his shoulders. They're both telling him things that that he can see the merit of both of them, but he knows that Cham's right. And he knows that Rampart's wrong, but he is in duty to Rampart at this point. And not to, like, he, he is, like, logistically in duty to, to, to Rampart and not to Cham at this point. And he has to realize that his duty really is to Cham, and not rampart yeah you know, we it, see it, him have that we, we yeah. see him have that struggle and we see him have that yeah. that moment I'm, I'm and it made me wonder you know and i know there's been some speculation on this you know a couple of hints have been dropped that maybe some of the clones their inhibitor chips didn't fully work or they were yeah. resistant to them i highly suspect for obvious obviously that hauser may be one of them you know, he's retained the the paint on his armor he takes his helmet off he retains yeah. some of that humanity and that individuality much more yeah. so and some of the other clones. So I hope he can. Hope he can show back up. I I really do two. too. I I'm I I really do wonder because again, yeah, he takes his helmet off. Something we rarely see clones do in the series. He 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 has the painted armor. We we know which one he is. He retains that individuality, which is that foreshadowing, which is that visual foreshadowing that he is conflicted in that way, which I love. And you know that kind of that 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 kind of leads us into into the second one and i what i what i love also about the second one I, i'm just looking 
right now is there's a there's a there's like Hauser begs Rampart to just think about this like 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 Hauser's like I've been thinking about this to Rampart and Rampart goes leave the thinking to me you have your orders <laughs> which is yeah that's a great perfect that's like, like perfect Rampart you know that's perfect Rampart that's perfect Empire that's perfect everything yeah. it's just like shockingly obnoxiously arrogant and condescending exactly and it, it, the empire doesn't want people to think because that's where they go that they go wrong but the empire wants people to follow orders and and that is that that is it's a perfect description of the empire i also love by the way i just saw this in my notes and i want to bring this up because i think it's hilarious that Cham doesn't reveal where Hera is because he also doesn't know but even if he did he wouldn't tell and then rampart goes to eleni he goes eleni you're the reasonable one <laughs> Oh, this um, scene is so good. This scene is and, so good. And 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 Eleni's like, and and Eleni has that face, like I will literally cut a bitch over my daughter. Yeah. Like, what does she say? She says, "I've seen how you treat your treat allies. Your, I'd rather be your be your enemy. enemy." Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <sighs> she is so savage. Again, she she will cut a bitch, and I love that. I support that. Yeah, absolutely. What um, do you got? I don't I don't have that much to be honest for for a rescue on Ryloth. What do you, what do you got? So one of the things I want to talk about, and again, this is this is more meta fandom co- commentary, but again, this is important to be to be brought up. There was a lot of controversy about this episode about Devil's Deal, but that was fixed in Rescue Odd Ryloth. At the yeah. end of the episode, Crosshair shoots Orn Freita, and it looks like a fatal wound. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he shows back up. But, in the book later on yeah but he but we we know that paul s kemp wrote a star wars novel many years ago called lord sith that features senator freita in it so he couldn't die and a lot of people are like oh is this a retcon and i remember alex damon saying at the time maybe like maybe it'll be left up to interpretation like oh if like for the clone wars fans he died here but for the book fans the shot wasn't fatal but they specifically say in this episode, that sh- in Rescue and Ryloth, that sh- the shot was not fatal. So it w- they literally call it the attempted assassination of Senator Runfrita. Yeah, um, I think, and I and I think that's extremely elegant, and I I love how they do it here because it serves the story while keeping the canon intact. Yeah, I think it definitely serves the story. I just think it's a bit. I think it's a bit too much for me. Like, I don't. I don't take huge issue with this because it's not like. Is not like I've not read the book, so maybe I don't. I haven't experienced the other side of it, but it's not such a massive moment that it's undermining, that it's impossible to look over. So I think it's all right, but it definitely did just feel like a bit of a, a like a like a have your cake. They would really wanted to have their cake and eat it too. Like he could have been, they could have like shot him in the stomach, or. Like I, I get yeah, where, shot like, him like less, easier, where it's like less less fatal of an area, yeah. Yeah, just like he got shot, like he got shot with a precision, like one of Crosshair's precision laser bolts, straight in the side of his head. The next yeah. episode, like, oh yeah, he'll 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 recover. He'll be fine. He'll make a full recovery. Yeah. I'm like, really? Although I do really? like the idea that that Crosshair was was ordered not to kill him, like. Like the crosshair is that accurate that he could fire a shot that oh, looked yeah, like absolutely. it was going to kill him, but didn't. Like I, I do like that idea. Yeah, I mean we've seen what crosshair can do. Like he's yeah. Okay, he takes down Gobi's ship in one shot. 
he's a master with the blaster yeah he he what can he, he what can you say it's it's it, he's 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 cunning and he i really like their use of him this this episode and yeah i also let's see what else i also really like this the the tension between hunter and omega on whether to help hera or not oh yeah i think um, it's a great it's a great moment because i i because because again they both have very valid points because i forget who who i forget who said this let me just look up who said this oh it's it's from a uh, from, it's from a movie called the it, it's it, it's from a movie called the american president that i really like you fight oh you only fight the fights you can win you fight the fights that need fighting and it's yeah. that delicate balance of when do you like what, what it's about how much it matters and how likely it is that you can win and hunter is thinking like I think this is too dangerous, and I don't think this is going to end up well for us. But Omega's backlash to that is you fight the fights that need winning. Yeah, I think Omega is absolutely very much kind of the moral guidance for the crew in this episode because we go back to this. We go back to this question, which the Bad Batch often face: of you know, how much do we weigh our duty? our felt duty to the galaxy, to our morals, to what we think is right. How do we weigh that against wanting to survive, wanting to live another day? You know, when do we stick out our necks? When do we not? And I mean, it's one of Star Wars' defining themes. It's kind of the the choice of people of how to use your, how to use your gift, you know, and the for the Bad Batch, you know, are they going to stay just kind of, you know, working this dead-end gig with Sid, you know, being weapons dealers or whatever. Or do they want to service something bigger? And thankfully, they make the right choice in this episode. But I think it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting next chapter in this continuing question that kind of gets posed almost every episode to them. Absolutely, and I and I think that this this again, it's it's one of the driving things of Star Wars, and I love how much the Bad Batch is really connected to that moral core of Star Wars. Let's see. Frankly, I also just want to point out that Omega and Hera's escape in that shuttle, which I'm pretty sure is an um, unmodified Omicron attack shuttle or something that looks like it. So literally, they are the mini Bad Batch in that case. I love the whole... I love everything with Omega and Hera in this episode. It's so great. Perfect. It's so wholesome. No, 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 it's no. It's so awesome. Uh, my, my, also, that line, my parents would never approve of this plan. I won't tell if you won't. <laughs> no notes. Absolutely. So great, yeah. Fantastic. No notes. Because, again, they are these revolutionary fighters, but they're kids. They're kids. They're, they're 10 and 11, I think, is how old they are. Yeah. Um, like... they're, 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 they're facing a huge galaxy in front yeah. of them, but they're just kids. Yeah, I think that's a thing at the end of the day about Star Wars that always is a little bit strange to square when we with something where I I take Star Wars, I wouldn't say I take it seriously all the time, but I it means so much to me and I I get so much out of it. And then at the end of the day, you have like this crew of like hardened special forces commandos basically. And then they've got like a freaking 11 year old and they're like taking her into war zones all the time yeah. you're like when you really think about this like yeah uh, but, I mean, but it star wars is very no holds time. barred yeah. it's a very no holds barred compared yeah. to uh compared to our standards i yeah, guess you could say because anakin is gets taken into a war zone when he's nine yeah i mean is is nothing new <laughs> yeah it's, 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 nothing, it's not, it, we've been doing this new. since 
we've we've been doing this since 1999 at least but but yeah and i and i and, and i and i and i love the I, I do really love the the like this is their fight and they need to like you know they they need to lead their generation and i i just kind of love that i also just let i want to talk about this okay all right where is it wow oh yeah brothers what are we doing we oh came gosh, here to speech. free Ryloth from Separatist control, and we succeeded. But look around you. We're now being ordered to target the very people we swore to protect, and I will not be a part of it any longer. Who will stand with me? Earlier he just says, what the Empire is doing is wrong. Those seven words, what the Empire is doing is wrong, have never had more of an impact for me. Yeah. Like it's after... so simple, but it, it is so impactful in yeah. all of the right ways. It's the, cul it's the culmination of his his struggle and his, yeah. his internal working through of everything. And it's another great example of, you know, Star Wars is all about choices. And this is an episode where there are a lot of choices and there's a lot of subtext and discussion of these choices and you know thankfully we see people make make the right choices but it's about the power of each individual and he wants his brothers to reclaim their individual power which had kind of been forcefully stripped from them by the empire obviously with the inhibitor chips yeah absolutely and and i think that what was i gonna say that i i i found it very interesting i took note of this so crosshairs there when that whole uprising happens and what does he order i cannot remember he Actually. orders their arrests which is interesting because i would not have guessed he would order arrests for those clones i would totally have thought he would have ordered execution because it's treason what they're doing Again, I'm not trying to defend Crosshair here. I'm just saying, under the Empire's laws, that would be treason, and I'd imagine they'd punish that by death. Especially for yeah. clones, because, again, they're expendable. Especially with the the Project War Mantle and them translating into real people, soldiers, and not clones. you think they'd be extra expendable. But no, yeah. he orders their arrest. And I wonder, A, I wonder if that's a story device because maybe we could see him more in season two, and I hope that's the case. I assume that that's... I would assume that's the case. Or B, so. maybe it's a thematic device to show that maybe Crosshair's allegiance to the Empire is wavering. That would be very interesting indeed. Because, because again, we'll, we'll get to this when we get to that final arc, Return to Kamino and Kamino Lost, but Crosshair's ship is most likely out at this point. It is. Crosshair's chip is most likely out of, out at this point. And what he, makes you say that? Well, because he said he removed it, and oh, he got in 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 Return to Camino, and he and if you recall, he got damaged in the head in Reunion at the exact place where his inhibitor inhibitor chip would be. Mm. So. I think it was pointing us to the idea that his chip got damaged and he removed it of his own, like, or like stopped working to its full extent and he removed it of his own, 
of his own free will. Um, yeah. Sometime after the events of reunion, but but I, I'm wondering if like again and again he does not like he chooses to stay with the Empire at the end of Camino Lost, but he does save Omega from drowning in Camino Lost. And I wonder if this is a if this here ordering for their execution and not murder is him slowly softening and realizing the Empire's effects on the galaxy, even if he is a part of it. Yeah, I we can only speculate, but that would be yeah. that would be quite I, interesting. And I don't think I, I, I and I think that like even if that is true, I don't think like he's consciously believe, like thinking that. I think this is an absolute subconscious thing. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, what else for this person? I think as well. Um, I I think one great moment, unless you want to continue with this, this train of thought, is that moment when I can't remember they're 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 looking down on the the refinery or one of the facilities, and they they note how even though Ryloth was not a separatist planet but a Republic ally, the Empire is still like fully fully conquering them and conducting a full military occupation and. I think it's such a cool moment that that's when the clones or that's when the bad batch they really realize after what after what they saw in Raxus this is where they really realized what's happening and they realize that you know obviously the past is dying nothing matters to the empire anymore as to what side you are on they're all, you're all the same now basically yeah absolutely the, again the pasts are irrelevant because they stare at the same future and yeah, I really, I, I also like. There's this nice touch point at the end of the episode where, where Eleni offers to pay Hunter, and he refuses. I think this is a part of a more noble destiny for the Bad Batch. We're gonna see the next episode that again, it's gonna be a, like a two steps forward, one step back thing, because yeah. they're gonna get involved in a, like a criminal gang war in the next episode. <laughs> True. Like True. literally, but then they're gonna save a clone from the uh, like an endangered clone from the Empire in the episode after. So like it's really like it is so so it really is a is a constant tango basically for them between wh what they're going to be and but but absolutely I, I loved all three of these episodes and I think that specifically Hera affirming Hera and her family affirming the value of family to Omega is really important and I and I, and I love the prominence of that in this episode. Do you got anything else for any of either of these two episodes or? Not really. I mean, I think these these are fantastic. I think the first Devil's Deal, I think, on its own, definitely dragged a little bit for me. Wasn't the best episode in, in some respects, but it was absolutely, absolutely worth the payoff for Rescue on Ryloth. This episode was this episode was a chef's kiss, in my opinion. Absolute chef's yeah. kiss. Had so much to say, did so many things right. It was amazing. The stakes were there. The urgency was there. The emotion was there. And I mean, these episodes are just, as usual, I can't stop raving about how drop-dead gorgeous they are. They, Every single shot, I'm just like, beautiful. Cow, and, are you kidding me? And like, and props absolutely, because I know that the writer's team, like, was newer on The Bad Batch. Like, they hadn't done as much as on The Clone Wars Rebels, but like, they they didn't skip a beat on Hera. They didn't skip a beat on Hera. I felt like I was right back in it watching. Oh, yeah. 100%. young version of Harrison Dola. Like it, 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 it felt so incredibly like ha having Hera back for two episodes was unreal, frankly. 
and Vanessa killed it. Robin Atkin Downs killed it. Fairleth Young absolutely freaking killed it. And like, yeah, so much, so much great stuff in these three episodes. I think that is going to be it for this episode of In a Galaxy. Before we end, let's talk about what we're doing next week. Next week, episode 90 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. We're getting to episode 90. We're going to be covering two more episodes of The Bad Batch. The the fourth to last and third to last episode of The Bad Batch Season 1. We're closing um, in. We're closing epi- in. Uh, Infested and War Mantle. But until then, I think... Uh, Follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars In a Galaxy. I got some news that I about this, and I'm not sure if I'm, I'm going to edit this out if if this doesn't pan out. But there's a but as Twitter has been like absolutely crumbling to the ground, there have been a, a number of alternative social media platforms that I've been looking at, and then one of them is called Hive. So In a Galaxy right now, ha- I'm setting up In a Galaxy's Hive account. So follow us on Hive at In a Galaxy Pod as well. Uh, you can follow me on uh, my personal account on Twitter at OchiFan327. Follow our trivia show at In a Galaxy Trivia. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your podcast, we will be there. If we're not, email us SWInAGalaxy at gmail.com. And I think, uh, oh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Star Wars In a Galaxy. And I think until next time, may the force be with you always. <laughs>